Welcome to the Clutch Burners Podcast. This is your home for stick shift drag racing, stick shift tech, stick shift trash talk, and more. And tonight, my co-host, the Canadian Chuck Norris, Rich Guido, he's right there. Do you see him? Or hear him? And there's Bill Armstrong wearing his G4 shirt, representing today. I think there's a whole bunch of G4 slash tick performance fellas on here. And I'm super excited. I've been trying to get these guys on for a while. Um, I got a beef to pick with Stephen right off the bat when we get going. Oh, but no. We got Stephen, Stephen Plemons and Chris Moore. And I see that Chris, Chris took over the naming and and uh, didn't even put Stephen's name on the page. But. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the Chris Moore show, and Stephen's just a co-host. Yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, b- before we dive right into it, yeah, Stephen, I remember when I found you guys on on YouTube, and and uh, here's this cool '69 Dart. He's running about the same time, like he's running. No, in Camaro, the- Camaro, 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 and uh, and I'm thinking, I think I even messaged you. I'm like, how fast is that thing? And you're like eight sixties or something, and. And now, uh, I think you're a problem I can't even solve. <laughs> yeah, we found some like, power what the overnight. Heck? Yeah. yeah, you did something overnight. That's for darn yeah. sure. We woke up one morning. It had like 800 horsepower more than it did the the previous day. Yeah, that was uh, your last uh, your last YouTube video from World Cup. There, when when you're looking at his time slip. After he made the 759 pass, that was hilarious. You're like, he you missed this, the 790s and the 780s yeah. and the 760s. <laughs> I was Holy in disbelief. Man. I mean, complete disbelief. Because we went testing uh, at an eighth, a local eighth-mile track just two or three weeks before World Cup. So I knew the tune-up that was in the car, and it ran like a 502 or something like that in the eighth-mile. And I was doing some math and looking at time slips of other people. And, um, you know, we had talked to Alan Morgan, you know, he's got the nitrous F body or it was yep. nitrous. Um, and he, that car run five O's all last year in the eighth mile. And he took it to, um, street car takeover in Florida and run like a 770, a high 770. So I thought, you know, that's going to be really close to what Steven's car will run. I was I was hoping for a 779. We'd have been tickled with it. Um, and I didn't change the tuna. I didn't touch it. I mean, honestly, did not change a thing about it. And we unloaded off the trailer, and he busts off a 759. Yeah. Disbelief is the only word that I have. I, I just couldn't believe it. Do, do you think something maybe blew through the lights at the end? Sweet enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it is fall. <laughs> There was a lot of leaves. <laughs> we would think that, but it did it again, and it runs yeah. 750 the next oh, day. I thought that I told Chris, I was like, they need to recalibrate their system because that ain't right. And but then it did. <laughs> oh well, I guess it is that fast. That's impressive. So, just t- tell us a little bit about the car because I, I, I've been a fan too, and it's uh, it's so impressive. Like. Like, I remember watching it, and it was, like, an eight-second car. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And then it was, like, seven something. I was like, what? What happened? (laughs) It's got a pretty funny progressive story to it. Um, To start it all out, my mama sold some property. Well, she gave her grandkids $2,500. Well, I spent that $2,500 on a junior dragster. And I drove it from when I was 10 to, like, 
12 or 13 and we sold the junior dragster and then uh we we were able to take the money from the junior dragster and buy the camaro when we bought the camaro it was just a hull of a car and uh it started out with a small block 350 and a turbo 350 and we bracket raced all the time and then my sister met chris well it was running 750s in the eighth month. yeah we we have went from running 750s in the eighth to now we're running 750s in the quarter which is pretty cool but my sister met chris and then after that then things started getting extremely fast and (laughs) and our motors started getting a lot bigger and now we have turbos on our cars and and then we got into uh stick racing so it's so it's actually his fault that you've now created a problem for rich and i absolutely yeah Yeah, this is all Chris's fault. if it wasn't for chris my car would still have a small block 350 with a turbo 350 bracket racing (laughs) It wasn't it wasn't long after I came into the picture that I mean he got the car painted and I, I guess I, I probably came along maybe a year or two after he bought the car and it was still just it, it looked horrible. I mean it wasn't painted, it wasn't running. I remember laying underneath it like cutting uh the parking brake cable off of it because it was underneath the exhaust that was on the car at the time. Like there wasn't an engine in it, but it was just it was terrible. I really didn't want to cut the car at all and then Chris just comes in, being my sister's boyfriend, just starts cutting stuff on my car. I was like, I just don't know about that. But then it started going fast, so I was like, you know what? Go ahead. Let's do this. They bracket bracket raced it for a while, and that small block 350 was, I mean, it was a stout motor. I mean, it was a really good motor, and then it wasn't fast enough anymore, and we... Well, that's not true. It it actually died. No. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't fast. Oh, yeah. So, so we put nitrous yeah, on it. Yeah, we put a nitrous plate on it, and it started going pretty fast. Yeah. Until it didn't. Until it didn't. And that's <laughs> kind of bad, too, because we were at Bristol, like a Super Chevy show. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of those. Yeah. But it's bracket racing, pretty much. But we were at one of those, and I was running nitrous, and I was like, Chris, that last pass, I kind of heard a little bit like a knock or something. And uh, he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, come. It was like 10 o'clock at night, though. <laughs> place is shut down we were spending the night there and the race was the next day and i was like yeah let's go up the return road and i'll let you listen to it and i get on the return road and i hammer down on it and it was like running really good and chris was like i don't hear nothing wrong with it i was like no there's something wrong with it so i turn around i come back and i hammer on it again and it blows up in the return road at 10 o'clock at night at bristol and i just drive it back to the pit and there's all everywhere and the bristol was so mad the next morning the, the officials pull into our parking place and they're like um obviously it was you guys because here's the trail oil and here's the car no it was uh, you know what we're just sorry that's all we are it's just sorry but, uh, yeah i blew it up on the return road uh after hours at bristol so that's they didn't <laughs> <laughs> you know i i have to uh because you're talking about your sister I, you gotta hand it to her congratulate her because those videos that she did like that was a huge help to you guys and oh, she did yeah, a fantastic yeah. job yes. and and she had me laughing like you make her laugh but you're making me laugh the whole time i was yeah. just like this is awesome <laughs> yeah we're glad that, that she's gotten a uh a new outlook on the racing program and now she wants to help us with that that's awesome yeah I, I had pretty much just like, not, I'm not going to say quit, but just took a serious break from the YouTube stuff because to race and try to do it competitively and tune two cars at the same time 
and to stop and try to get in a mindset of recording videos and stuff like that, it, it was just too much. And then to set up half the night and edit the videos, I, it, was, it was a lot of work. So I told her about two months ago, she was like, well, you need to get back to, you know, making videos. And I was like, if, if you want that to happen, then I'm going to hand it over to you. You can do all the recording, all the commentary, all the editing. And she's done great with it. Yeah. Um, she's she done awesome. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's funny because you nailed it right on the head there. You know, everybody wants to be a YouTube star until they got to edit. And then yeah. it's done. You're like, no, nope, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially me. I always leave my GoPro on and it just goes and on and on and on until the battery dies on my car. <laughs> So you got to edit all that out. Every pass of Steven's car, we have a 55-minute long video. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And, you know. And the best content is the stuff that you, you really don't got time to record. I was just right. watching the one where you had a fuel issue and you were going back to your other one and you're drilling. And, yeah, you need somebody else to uh, to recognize that that's actually what people want to see. They want to see everything. Exactly. So Yeah. And that, and that right there is the point in time that I don't want to be recording. Like, I am so competitive, and I know that I need to get this car fixed. I, it doesn't even cross my mind to grab a phone and, and try to record the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is true. But So she did, she did a great job. Give her a, give her a pat on the back from us. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, tell us about your car. Um, well, I bought the car. Gosh, I probably should have thought of this before now, but maybe like six or seven years ago. Um, yeah, I guess I guess it was seven years ago. I went to Iowa and bought it, and it was just a, a street car. I mean, it was like a cam-only LS1. Um, it had a Ford 9-inch in it already, but um, and it was a it was a six-speed car. So I bought it and raced it for a little while with. Um, yeah, I had nitrous on it for a little while um, and just realized where the stick class was going and that it wasn't going to be competitive at all. Um, let's see. I don't know what kind of times that thing was running on. No, maybe either. I think it was probably like 660s or something in the eight. In, in the eight. Uh, and I don't think I ever ran it in the quarter mile. But <clears throat> I tore it down one winter and um, decided to decided to go turbos. And uh, it kind of seemed like right at the same time, one of the main guys in our stick racing community here in North Carolina, he had his car tore down and nobody knew about it. But he had nitrous on it and he was putting a turbo on it. And he actually got his car done and then took it out to the track. And then people figured out that it was turboed. Um, and he picked up, it was like a half a second in the eighth mile just by making the switch from nitrous to turbo and it was like a shot to the heart for me because like i was wanting to be the guy to come out there first with turbos and and kind of make the mark but um anyway so i, I switched the car to turbos it just was a ls3 um with twin i think they were like 62 precision 62s um and i think it ran like 580s something like that in the eighth mile so it picked up it picked up eight tenths of a second in the eighth mile just by swap, swapping engines and going turbo. And um, that engine lasted about a year it, just because I'm, I'm really heavy on the up button. I don't know when to stop. And, and ended up breaking a rod in the burnout box right before the pass. 
Um, and that was actually kind of funny. I was the only one racing that day, but I done the burnout and I heard the car make a funny noise. And then as I was letting off, the car just shut off. And I thought, well, man, that was odd. So I just reached down and hit the starter and it started back up like nothing was wrong. And I look in the rearview mirror and everybody's like waving their arms like, no, shut it off, shut it off. <laughs> so I figured out there was a window in the side of the block and I wasn't going to be racing anymore that day. He was able to drive the car home. I did. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. We parked it. We couldn't get our big truck and trailer anywhere close to his house at the time, so we parked it like on the main road, and he got the car out and drove it home with <laughs> with a rod going around in yeah. there. It was about a half hour. <laughs> I had to drive it, um, but it was really weird how the rod broke. It, I guess, it slung around so much, and it finally wedged up against the rod that was beside it. So it just started kind of going up and down at the same time as that other rod. So it wasn't beating and banging. It really wasn't making any noise at all. Um, so yeah, I just drove it home. So it was just a seven cylinder then. Exactly. Yeah. With a little view to the world. A little yeah. low on oil. <laughs> right. <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, then again, I, I kind of took it more serious and got a, got a dark block for it and kind of went that route. And that's when the car started getting really fast. I mean, I would say within, uh, just a couple months it ran. Uh, it's first seven second pass in the quarter mile. Um, and that engine lived for. You went, you went 198 with that motor, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, one, yeah, 196 or 197, I think in St. Yeah. In St. Louis. Yeah. So, I mean, the car went fast, um, with that engine and that was kind of, that's kind of how we got to where we are now. Uh, that little... motor blowed up in Texas. Um, no, FL2K. FL2K. Yep. Uh, yeah, we like so much stuff, it, it's pieces. hard to keep track. Yeah. It is blue up in Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, guys you guys have blown up parts scattered across the country. Is that what I'm getting here? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's nice. I just don't know when to slow down. I think engines will take whatever I throw at them, and sometimes they just don't. So dive a little deeper so we've kind of covered the the engines in your cars and i know i know steven you did some rework on the you put like this massive brick wall of an intercooler in that thing um but talk about the the chassis the leaf springs and <laughs> transmission um clutch you know all that stuff that makes it so you don't have to go buy a purse yeah. yeah, we're we're real leaf spring guys now. Like we're firm believers. We didn't think we were gonna be, but now that we have had the difference between my car being leaf springs and his, I'm gonna put leaf springs on mine this winter. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go to a track and it it won't have good prep at all, and mine seems to work great. And it doesn't <clears> matter <throat> what kind of prep is, and it seems like Chris struggles with his quite a bit. Yeah. But my car is also very very heavy because we've got a lot of support bars underneath it as well like no no let's back up define heavy yeah you're talking to the heavyweight teams oh, okay. here okay I'm yeah, sorry. we're not heavy <laughs> when we're in this crowd yeah okay you guys know about heavy <laughs> well how how heavy is the 69 uh 3500 pounds and that's with you in it yeah that's pretty snow <laughs> what do you guys weigh Rich, you go first. Mine's 4,100. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm depending on fuel load and how much helium is in the tires, I'm 3680, 3700 right in there. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought we were going to have a, a problem with destroying input shafts all the time. I thought I was like too heavy to make input shafts last, but we discovered that when I just broke my input shaft at uh, World Cup that that's that input shaft's been in there for like a really long time. So I should we should have routinely maintenance and just replaced that thing instead of running it for three or four years now with no. I have literally a flower pot full of input shafts. Oh, don't tell yeah. us. Oh, don't tell us. Oh man, those are some expensive flowers. But but I will say. And I'm sure you guys are aware that GeForce is about what in about two weeks, Rich. They're coming out with a 29 spline input shaft that should fix these issues, except that I have a nice big box of clutch discs that none of those will work with. <laughs> so, so I might have to figure that out. But uh, yeah. It, and with with the twenty nine spline, um, is that for like the magnums or is that like a standard T fifty six gear set? Magnum, magnum gear it set. Is. Yeah, magnum. Both, both of us have just the regular T fifty six gear set. Um, we kind of started down that road, and it, it, I mean, it would just be a lot of money to swap over to the the magnum setup. <clears> so <throat> we just never have. And and we've talked to people, and I, I don't know. There's there's differing opinions if the like the magnum output and things inside of it are actually stronger than the standard t56 uh, obviously the input shaft would be but you're i don't know that the other parts would be any stronger my, than what we have my understanding is it's pretty much the same gear set except the width of the gears is a little wider in the magnum which gives them more load carrying capability okay yeah because yeah. sorry the uh, the gear set you guys run, GeForce builds that main shaft, and in ours, I think they run a stock Magnum main shaft. But my my car is forty one hundred pounds, and it's been one hundred and sixty five miles an hour, and and I've I've had no problems with the main shaft, just just the input and second yeah. gear once in a while. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We think we figured out my second gear problem. We were oh, yeah, saying out of mine all the time, and it seems like the Terminator X computer just needs more of an RPM window to shift in than the Dominator. We were just copying Chris's window and trying to run it in mine, and it the Terminator X is just it needs a little bit more finer tuning, or it doesn't have the finer tuning part. So yeah, we everything everything that I've learned on my car tuning wise and just everything clutch wise, I've tried to. It to his car and my car has a holly dominator his has a terminator x and we started looking at the data log side by side and if you look at the data points in a dominator i mean there's a, a million data points like it records a piece of data i don't know it's every millisecond or something and then we started looking at the data log from the terminator and it was like every i don't know like two tenths of a second or something it, it seemed like a really wide margin where it would collect data at so we, you know, we drive into the rev limiter and that's how we shift gear. We let that be our ignition cut. So, you know, say for his car, <clears throat> we wanted to shift it at 8,000 RPM. 
um, we would have like a somewhere between a 1700 to 2000 RPM drop to allow it to get into that next gear. And through the years, I've tried to tighten that up as much as possible because the tighter it is, the quicker the shift. <clears throat> so on my car, I could pretty consistently shift at with a 1700 RPM drop. And it was, it was pretty quick. <clears throat> we tried that on, <clears throat> excuse me. We tried that on his car and it was hit or miss if it would go into second gear or not. And I mean, I've watched videos of, of him in the car and it looks like the shifter's trying to break off as he's pulling on it. I'm really strong. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so, you break, the, break the shifter ball right to pieces. You yeah, just that's exactly yeah. right. crushed just, it. Ah. So um, we finally, we finally just widened his window a little bit and his car shifted into second perfectly since then. Yeah. It's, it just goes easy in every gear. I'm not hearing any grinding and used to, I would hear just a little bit of grinding then it'd go and I'd be like, Shoot, that was closer. Now it's it just goes like butter every time. So we're tickling to death with that. So seventeen hundred is your window that you guys use. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's because we're trying to be conservative now. It's probably eighteen hundred or or nineteen hundred. So like, you know, my car is um, I shifted to eighty five hundred RPM. So it would and yeah, that's conservative. And then it would drop down to sixty seven hundred. Uh, before it starts climbing again. Yeah, that sounds really conservative. Yeah, eighty five hundred. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, a few a few months ago, I turned it ten thousand one hundred. Oh yeah, <laughs> unintentionally. Yeah, but it's still alive. <laughs> that that sounds like a money shift to me. It wasn't actually. It was a fat finger in the tune up, is what it was. Because. <laughs> we, <laughs> When you rely on that ignition cut at 8,500 RPM and it doesn't happen, your foot's still on the floor and it's still accelerating very quickly in first gear. So instead instead of putting 8,500 in the tune-up, I put 18,500. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was waiting for it to hit the 18,500 <laughs> mark before he shifted. <laughs> You know, that that reminds me, um, Troy Clark, a friend of mine, he told me once when when we were racing, he goes, you know, because he kept pedaling the car, was having some issues with chassis and stuff. And he goes, you know, Bill, he said, that, that little pedal on the right there, he goes, it's not an on-off switch. There's this infinite amount of space in between. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, you, you don't need negativity like that in your life. That's right. What we need to do is hack into Jonathan's tune and see what he's got for a shift window. I feel like it's like 50 RPM. His going, <laughs> going down the track, you can't even, the RPMs don't even drop at all. It just. Well, well I'm just surprised to hear that because I keep thinking mine is like 1200, but it can't be that tight if you guys are having issues at like. If you're at 17, I maybe have to double check mine. Hey, you got to well, shift quicker than we do. We're so it's lightning good. reflexes? Is that what we're talking about here? Okay. So, <laughs> well, my last name, my last name is Armstrong. So. <laughs> oh, and I actually, uh, and, and I use a shift cut knob 
like the import guys where it's got uh, micro switches in it. Yeah. So I don't run into a rev limiter. I just shift whenever I want to, <clears throat> but it's got a bunch of parameters like throttle over 50% and over 6,000 RPM. But you got to get your oh, hand off there um, after you shift because if you're still yeah. if you're still pulling or pushing on it, it'll cut in half a second, and then then your oh, face yeah. gets really sad. And that would not of... work. I hold my line lock until like second gear, so <laughs> I can't even I can't even think long enough to. For, yeah, I'd probably run like a six if I wasn't holding my front brakes half the track. Well, but but you're lucky because your front tires are in the air until you hit second gear, so so it doesn't matter. Down they go. It's like a like an airplane. (laughs) Does a burnout with the front tires. That's perfect. We only got the part. Like I know uh, Stephen doesn't want to tell us the details on his car, but what cubic inch? What cubic inch is in that? Yeah. Well, so we need we do need to go back to the suspension thing for just a second because. When we first got into stick ship racing, the big rule in this area was that it had to be an H pattern transmission. It couldn't be on anything bigger than a 28 inch tire and it had to have factory rear suspension. Like that was the three main rules for our area. So when we were building both of these cars, we adhered to that rule, I mean, as, as good as we could. So that's why that car is still on leaf springs really um we had a 69 camaro and it had to have factory rear suspension so that's that's just what we went with but now there's no rules <laughs> no rules you can do whatever you want yeah now so, you have sliders on it right yeah we do and cal tracks. Had it until maybe like a year and a half ago um yeah it just had shackles in the rear um we've had the um the cow tracks on there nitrous yeah since it was an automatic car so so i talked to you guys a while ago during lunch one day i don't know if you remember yeah um but so did you notice a big difference in the way the car worked when you went from being all shackled up to sliders in the back we probably wouldn't have been able to tell because that winter we changed too many things yeah. is the problem. We probably, yeah, I think we ended up coming back the next season with a lot more power. And we never just changed one thing at a time. It's a bad part. And I think that might have even been the time that we switched from a slick to a radial on that car. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, we we couldn't give you a good back-to-back comparison of a shackle versus slider. But well, we have had a GoPro underneath the car on the back end, and it works great. Like, you get all yeah. kinds of separation and everything. Yeah. And what um, – so I noticed at World Cup, because I was paying attention, you are now running it in the upper hole on the Caltrack, which usually is a no-no for a stick car, but clearly it's working for you. You were trying to get more angle on that ball. Yeah, we were we were trying to get a um, a little bit more downward angle angle towards the rear of the car, and I guess I need to go back and look. Um, it's been so long since we've done it, but I guess it was probably uh, about a year ago we put the adjustable bracket on the rear end. So you know the the cow tracks you normally just have one mounting location on the rear end, and you've got two holes on the front. Um, and I think if you look in the Caltrack manual, their advice is to just set that bar as parallel to the ground as it can be 
with the car at ride height. Um, yeah. And his car is really low anyway. So that's, that's really why we were in the top hole. Uh, because if we were in the bottom hole, it wouldn't have been parallel to the ground. But because we were trying to get more separation out of the car, we bought those brackets that have uh, the adjustability on the rear end. So we were able to keep it in the front hole or the top hole on the front end, and we dropped it down, I don't know, a hole or two on the on the rear end of the car. And it started, I mean, it started separating a lot harder, and it seems like it really plants the tire hard on the starting line. Um, something my car does not do, but for some reason, <laughs> Leaf Springs does really well. And talk about your shock program. Viking. Yeah, they're just uh, out of the box Vikings. Double adjustable. Yeah, and, and they're pretty old. They're not one of Vikings um, new deals. Like they're not a, a triple adjustable or whatever. And they're not, um, I like it might, it might be their Crusader series or something like that. That seems to be After I left okay. World Cup the last time, when I thought I was really cool by running an 800, I sent that to Viking. I was like, what do you think about hooking me up with some new shocks? And they are like, yeah, just send us some money and we'll hook you up. <laughs> and I was like, I thought I was really something. <laughs> so just send them the money and they'll get you some. That's all you got to do. These are working. <laughs> They're working. Awesome. You're leaving them on the car. Yeah. And do you, you run them pretty – sorry. And is that shock straight up and down in the back or is it in the factory location? Um, yeah, it's pretty much straight up and down. I don't, that's a bad question, but where's the factory location? I couldn't I think, tell you on a Camaro. I think it's inboard of the leaf spring on the rear of the axle. I think I think it's where it is, and that's where, that's where these are. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah, and, and yeah, they're they're straight up and down um, on the back of the axle. <clears throat> okay, Rich, a, now you can ask him dry deck questions. <laughs> no, I, I was going to ask, is it, do you have an ARB on the car? An anti-roll yep. bar on the car? Yep. yep, and it's really like a, a really cheap one. Um, I mean, we might have paid 150 or 180 bucks from Summit. I, I don't remember the brand right offhand, but uh, the one that's on his car is puny. I mean, it, it doesn't look like it would do the job, but um, it it has the car. The car works really good. <laughs> and you felt like, did you have some data or some video where you were like, "Oh, I think an, an anti roll bar would help this," or did you just was that one of the things you just added? Like, let's just throw all this stuff at it and see what works, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, we added that later because uh, when we first put a stick in the car on slicks, it was squatting really hard. And it was not planting the tires evenly. And on a 69 Camaro in the the tunnel, right above the uh, rear end, there's like a bump stop. And well, yep. he, he destroyed that thing. Like it was hitting, it was bottoming out <laughs> and hitting that thing so hard. And it was like, yeah, we got to change some stuff. So we ended up putting an anti-roll bar on it and just doing a lot of stuff that winter just to, to get it to work better. Okay. And I think we probably still had some stock shocks on the rear end of it. It wasn't. That was back when everyone was still doing the whole squat and go thing. And now it's all this and go, which is like crazy. I liked the old squat and go. That was fun. We used to do that all the time. You could put weight in the rear end and everything. Just you wanted squat. You wanted your weight transfers. All we heard about all the time. You want weight transfers. <laughs> now it's all you want it hunched up like a cat going down the track. 
<laughs> separation. Yeah. yeah. Evolution, evolution, I guess. Yeah, Jonathan's car, crazy. Like it yeah. literally yeah. looks like an angry cat by the end. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I keep I keep thinking those guys go to a four wheel drive shop and they say, "Give me the longest Baja shock you got." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild, and really, there's not uh, there's not much different about Jonathan's setup than than mine. Um, I just haven't figured out how to get mine to physically do that separation as much as his does going down track. I mean, if you just jack the car up, it's got um, six inches of travel in the rear end. Uh, it it will mechanically separate that far, but I've not figured out how to get the shocks set up the way they need to be and and put the power in the way it needs to be to get a car to separate like that. I, I was actually surprised. I, I made a lot of shock changes before World Cup, and I just looked at some pictures yesterday of my car, like at the end of first gear, second gear area, and it's not separated at all. I mean, it, and that may have been an issue um, as to why the car spun on race day, but... Yeah, I got to I got to figure that out. The car's got a lot of separation in it, but I just haven't been able to use it yet. Maybe you need some Buick Roadmaster parts. <laughs> no. Shut the computer. Yeah, we're done here. <laughs> this, this is over. <laughs> we're doing maybe, all right until made us mad. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we just need uh, Jonathan to break something under there and need Steven to go and weld and he can strategically yeah. take some pictures while he's under yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So back back to your car, Stephen. So how many cubes is the motor? Four oh nine. Four oh nine. And how yep. big are the turbos? Seventy eights. They're hand me downs. Ooh. I get his hand me down parts. So he's fast. So he he sometimes he gets nice things from people, and when he does, he gives me his things. So mine's like the loyal end brand i don't know if you guys have angles maybe i should say great value great values at walmart so i might call it like the great value brand of chris's nice nice yeah. the blue light special if anyone yeah, remembers yeah. blue mart yeah. <laughs> so um, 68 you said no 78s 78, yeah how much boost you run 30 that last pass was probably 35 or 36 pounds <laughs> yeah, we were wow. getting ready. To, and it's we still a wet deck motor. Up, but we didn't get a chance. And it's still a wet deck motor, five bolt yeah. head. Yep. Yeah, we've got, and what we've fuel? E85. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. One ethanol. Yeah. Yeah, we use <laughs> one ethanol for the fuel. Uh, it's like 117 octane E85. Um, it's good fuel. We've we've been running it for a few years now, um, and really like it. Still, just a aeromotive 5.0 pump on it. Yeah, yeah, just an electric <laughs> pump in the tank with Bosch 210 injectors. Not the real fancy, expensive kind either. Yeah, that's a that's amazing. And your new your new uh, air to air intercooler. What kind of temperatures do you see going down the track? We fixed it. A good bit. I think the last time we ended up, they were horrible before, like really, really bad. We had a, uh, it was a treadstone, oh, like yeah. a three-inch core or something. And I think they're, I mean, nothing against treadstone. Those those intercoolers work great if you use them within the parameters. Um, but it was like a thousand horsepower or twelve hundred horsepower core that we were <clears> trying to make 
17, 1800 through and it wasn't working. It was, it was like a blow dryer. I mean, yeah. his intake air temperatures would start at like 80 or 90 degrees. And by the end of a the run, they'd be like 280. They were, they were out the roof. But, <laughs> yeah. So it, at world cup, um, his temperature started at like 95 degrees. And at the end of the run, it was about like 170, 180 degrees. So about a 70, 80 degree uh, increase over over the quarter mile. And I don't think we can fit a bigger one in there. I'd want to put a big one. And we don't really want to go to air to water because we don't want to fill with ice all the time. And we just like <coughs> air to air. But we've got the biggest so might, one we can put in there. Yeah, that one yeah, was, might, uh, was that a, a bell core? Yeah. I think, was it one? One core, or do we use two different cores on you? I remember from the video it was one yeah. core. Oh, it was, was one it? core? Yeah, because I just watched it. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, my oh, yours is two. Yeah, mine's two different <clears throat> cores that we welded together, but his is just one uh, bell core. I think it's like fifteen inches tall, and it's it's six inches thick. His inner intercooler is bigger than mine is, um, and then it's like twenty eight inches or so wide. It's fun making intercoolers, though, because you just order your core and then order you a sheet of aluminum and then just start cutting it out. You can cut one out of cardboard or whatever and template it up and then just cut it out of aluminum the second time and start tagging it together. It's fun making intercoolers. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. Yeah, so I have air to water on mine, and it's I weighed it uh, last year or something. It's about 100 pounds between the water, the tank, the air to water cooler. Um, now my my temperatures at the end of the quarter mile at 165 are like 90 degrees, but I'm running C16 and it probably doesn't need to, it would probably be fine at 180. So <clears throat> I got lots of decisions to make. <laughs> yeah. The decisions yeah. I made so far are just, let's just keep adding weight to it and see how heavy we can get it. <laughs> Well, in all, yeah, in all fairness, too, um, neither one of us are putting 30 plus pounds of boost to our motors. I mean, I'm like 20 is like the not, most not so yet. far. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, not yet. <laughs> We're going to get to those questions in a minute, but we got to yeah. get the rest of, the rest of uh, Stephen's story and then we'll get the rest of Chris's. So, um uh so you've got a uh a quick time bell housing or do you have like a what bell housing's in yours quick time yeah it's quick time and is that a hand-me-down no i actually had to buy that i think fresh. you paid full price for that yeah. did you call them and ask for them and they said just send us money and we'll send you one <laughs> yeah. no i didn't even try with them I, I knew i didn't have nothing to impress them with they've seen fast cars so <laughs> but immediately you know you cut the big hole out in the side i didn't like doing that for your uh you're changing the weight and all that good stuff right where that sfi sticker is yeah you just, gotta just cut a hole right there <laughs> so when they ask you if it's sfi approved you just pull up that piece of metal and show <laughs> it it's right here well as far as cut this i should have kept that and what clutch the black magic next gen 10 or 11? 11 inch. Yeah, but the clutch in both of our cars are the same. Oh, so six lever. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, same one I'm running, man. Yeah, next yeah. gen. We like it. That seems, yeah, it seems to work for me too. And uh, honestly, it is probably the best uh, street clutch. Like we just went through the, just did a 2,000 mile uh, death week trip <clears throat> through the Sequoia Forest. And we were in California traffic and everybody with a diaphragm clutch was dying. But you know, you put five turns in that thing and drive it on the street. It's the pedal pressure is not bad at all, actually. No, and, no. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't squeal that often. And it, they're they're actually a really good street strip setup, even for a forty one hundred pound car. Well, and and I think when Rich says it was a two thousand mile death week, that was before he drove seventeen hundred miles to get there, yeah, and then right. drove seventeen hundred miles to get home. That's crazy. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> do you have to swap? Do you, it will one disc work for you that whole time? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I I just I just pulled the tranny out and the clutch out, and I think it went from three eighty five down to about three forty five, and and I was slipping it really hard, and it was only four race days. Uh, it was eighth mile, and um. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was slipping it probably way too much. But it was all, most of where it all happened at the track. Yeah, that's cool. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, and then uh, aluminum or steel drive shaft in that thing? Carbon. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, yeah we had to buy it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, was it? Was it drive shaft shop? I think. Yeah. Um, and so you got a tick shifter on your T56. So it's, it's, oh, yeah. a, is it a Magnum with a standard T56 gear set? Is that, or it was weird. Yeah. It's a weird one. I his, think they said there was only one other one like mine. Yeah. His, his is a real, real oddball transmission. And because I, of the tail housing on it. Yeah. I don't even know if I could explain to you what the difference is about his, but. I think it was a Magnum case um, that a regular T56 tail housing was put on. Um, and then, yeah, all the it's all T56 gear set inside. I think it does have a Magnum reverse. <laughs> it's got a Magnum reverse. Woo! So it's got a second all the way to reverse. That doesn't work out real good. That'll do it. That's well, you're trying to put it in race mode, right? That's yeah, race. Yeah. Yep. They go faster. Yeah. One, two, race. Yeah. So Rich actually had a super early version of the gear uh, G-Force gear set, and it was a Magnum case, but it actually was a T56 gear set that they had done. Yeah, they they basically modded them for a while because more of the OEM style. Um, we're running just T56s, so that was what their tooling was for. And and then both Bill and I, <clears throat> um, when they built the newer versions, um, I sold my other one and stepped up to the newer Magnum version because 4,100 pounds. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, anyways. Yeah, they. Uh, my, my understanding was they did a prototype run of 10 units, and we were in that block of 10. Yeah. 
Yeah, you get a little notoriety for driving all over the country like a wingnut, but uh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's impressive. But so, all, all things said, we still had to pay for them too. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and, and does it still have fifth and sixth gear in it? No. No, we took oh, those okay. out for weight. What is what that? What about the drag and drive life? What about the drag and drive life? I know uh, you attempted one briefly about a year ago yeah. to the day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to, I didn't, I didn't mind not having um, fifth and sixth in mind because, well, yeah, mine's a 340 rear gear and fourth gear, 60 mile an hour. I mean, the RPMs aren't bad. So, um, sixth gear or fifth and sixth gear just wasn't really a necessity for me yeah but yeah it was a it was a weight thing i mean it obviously it makes the transmissions lighter by not having fifth and sixth in there but it also makes it to where you can't go from first second to fifth um or you know it, it, it just cuts down the chances of missing a shift yeah and you both have tick shifters yep yep yeah, yeah, I love mine. It works great. Oh yeah, the short throw. I mean, I had a white lightning on there from American Powertrain before, but the the tick tick is uh, yeah, it's really nice and it doesn't leak. Yeah, yeah, it don't leak. That's a plus. Yeah, that's a giant plus. I, I had a different one on before, but I have a tick on there as well now, and and it doesn't leak. Did yeah. you guys say their oh. new their new shifter they made for uh, Sean and Cletus? Yeah, yeah, the one that keeps you from money shifting, anti-money shift. Yeah, yeah. I actually I messaged them about that because I was looking at the video, and when they were demonstrating it, they'd pull the pin and move it over to first. When they shift it to second, the pin doesn't move until they go to third. Yeah, so you can still. Money I'm not shift quite trying to. Yeah, I think you could still money shift it, but once you're in third, it won't let you go back to second. It blocks the one-two gate. Yes. So that, I wasn't... that was, and it was really just. A, I mean, we talked to Matt from Tick Performance about that shifter while we were at World Cup, and he said it was like a thirty-minute set down. They come up with this and just bolted it on the existing shifter, um, just to kind of see what they could do. But yeah, it doesn't. That was that was my what I really wanted was something that like the same deal. Once you come out of first gear, something that went over that wouldn't let you go back to first gear. Um, I think that would be great. And then, yeah. Why did you want that, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be cool to have. <laughs> if this is our YouTube video right now, we would throw up the clip where his back end come off the ground where he one-shifted the thing. Oh, Travis might be able to find that and just slide it right in here. I'm going to delete it right now. <laughs> he talks about me putting it in reverse, but he wanted to want his. So. Oh, it's okay. We already downloaded it. <laughs> that was not one of my finer moments. Well, I think oh. you've done that too, you, Bill, a couple of times. Uh, yeah, my motor saw 8,200, 8,300 once. Might have stretched right. a valve just a little bit, but. That's, we that's still finished really, the week. <laughs> really wild when I done it. Um, I don't know if the ignition cut on the ECU is that strong, but I went from first, second, back to first, and I mean, like I said, my rev limiter is at eighty five hundred, 
and the RPMs never went over 8,500 when I went back the first year. I mean, the rear tires came off the ground. I mean, it like sucked <laughs> up in the body. Um, but I don't know. For some reason, the RPMs never never shot up. Well, that's that's because you didn't have it. It just lifted it. It went, oh, ouch. Yeah, yeah. Or or you didn't have it set to 18,500. Yeah, yeah. not that bad. (laughs) Okay, two more questions for about Chris's car. So it's got two seats in it. It's got a dash. Does it have a heater anymore? No, no heater. Here in North Carolina, you probably don't, it don't matter. No, we we kind of get cold here. We get just last week or the week before we was down in the twenties, so we get pretty cold here. Last oh. Christmas it was zero degrees here, so I mean we're pretty cold. And it's yeah. humid, which makes it yeah. really chilly. Yeah. Yeah. But we just uh, let the motor warm us up. Yeah. His downpipes <laughs> go right by his firewall, so you let the car run long enough, and you'll be warm. Nice, nice. Yeah. That's perfect. When we used to street race. I would be so nervous that I wouldn't even know I was cold. I would just be like, just radiating with heat because I was just shaking all over <laughs> from being nervous. So I never needed a heater. <laughs> <laughs> That's quickest, awesome. quickest ET's been seven fifty, and and what's your best mile an hour? One eighty eight. Man, wow! Did you do the math? Uh, How much horsepower is that thing making with? 188 miles an hour and 35. About like 17 or 1800, somewhere in that ballpark. To the tire. Yeah. Yeah. So you're pretty close to 2000 crank. Yeah. That that was off the calculator. Is that the Wallace calculator online? You just enter in the weight and the mile per hour. I'm convinced. I mean, it's, it's neat. It was neat at World Cup just watching the car around that 759 at 182 because. It picked up, gosh, I mean, nearly 20 mile an hour in the quarter mile um, on about the same tune-up as what we had the year before. And and we will tell you, the, the only thing that we changed about the car, yeah, we changed the intercooler, and that obviously makes some difference, but not that much. Um, but we figured out that uh, the stainless intake valves that were in his heads were causing us a lot of problems. Uh, it's had Inconel exhaust valves in it, and they were fine. And we had the, the necessary spring to control those valves. But for some reason, I don't know if they were floating or just what they were doing, but his car just did not work with the stainless valves. So we took a set of titanium intake valves that, that I had out of an old set of heads. Hand-me-down um, parts. Hand-me-down parts. Hand-me-down parts, yeah. yeah. And put them in, and it picked up 10 mile an hour in the eighth mile first pass. Wow. It was, so, it was, so it sounds like there were some valve train control issues, and the lighter valve definitely helped. I, I guess so, yeah. Because uh, we didn't change springs. We, we still, I mean, kept the same rocker arms. Did not change a thing. All we changed was the intake valves, and it, it picked up a lot of power. And are, but, are you running... Are you running like a stage three RV cam in that thing? Yeah, it's 750 lift. Yeah, it's, yeah, three quarter race cam. Yeah, we're solid roller. <laughs> um, but it, it was neat at World Cup because that was probably the first time that we've ever gone to the track with his car and you you tell it to do something and it just does it. Like normally we, we try to turn the boost up and it slows down. Yeah, we fought that forever. Something dumb. 
but it went 182 that first pass, and then we turned it up, I think, um, about three or four pounds of boost, and it went 188, so it picked up six mile an hour. And then uh, that next pass that he broke the input shaft, um, I'm convinced it would have probably been 192 or 193 to the quarter mile, and probably a, a high 730. I mean, it, it it was crazy how the car was reacting to the the small changes that we were making. I mean, the pass that it broke the input shaft, his 60 foot and 330 were way quicker than what he had been on the the other passes. So it would have it would have been a lot faster. But I gotta and, get it to my boy. He built those motors and he built that thing and it is just great. I mean, we built it in like these old dusty. Nasty machine shop that doesn't have very up to date tools, but he's just a genius. I tell everybody he's a genius. So, well, I was I was watching the geniuses videos today because I'm trying to make some decisions on dry decking and stuff. So, so yours, Stephen, yours is still wet decked but O ring. Is that right? Yes. Yep. And so you use a copper gasket to seal the water ports. Yep. Yep. Hmm. And does it seep at all? Well, we put, um, they sell some really expensive uh, sealant that you can spray on the copper gaskets. Like what we, we used something in the past that was called um, Hylamar. It's, it comes oh. in a spray can. It's like, familiar. it's yeah. really expensive. Um, but we quit using that a long time ago because we figured out some black RTV works just as good. I thought we got red on it. We might have run out of black. <laughs> and if you only keep the radiator half full it doesn't push out very much water at all do you, do you keep the do you keep the cap loose so in case it wants to ventilate it doesn't no, explode the radiator a, i have a catch can and the catch can is right in front of my turbo don't tell them all the and and we got the 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 overflow the overflow like if the catch can just slam hammer full the overflow little nozzle is pointing right at the turbo. So it's going to fill that up and then it's going to start spraying in the turbo. And Chris said, if it does that, then the head sits back down because the, the water's cooling it back down. So water cooled. It's, it's, like, all in one. it's like water that, bath injection. That's, uh, that's, that's the old WW2 trick. World War II. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when we get to the point that it's lifting a head and pressurizing the cooling system, it's going to set the head right back down. Because we're pushing water in. <laughs> Man, that is smart. Thirty-five pounds of boost, though. That, uh, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, and those turbos—they're not out um, because, like he said, those were on my car. They're the they're BS Racing seventy-eight, seventy-fives. I mean, you can—I think you can buy them for like four hundred dollars each. Um, they're not an expensive turbo and I think VS racing just in general has a, um, I don't know, a, a bad name in the community for being just cheap turbos or whatever, but we've not had any issues at all out of them. And I mean, I run those turbos for two years and they've been on his car for about two years now and they get beat on. Um, and when they were Hello. on my car, I had them around 38 to 40 pounds of boost. Um, and I don't think they were out there, really. Um, so we. And are those the ones with the chunks out of the turbine wheel? Is that the ones you gave them? No, uh, that was that was some that was a different one. That was an eighty. That I, uh, 
Yeah, I never, I never heard the seventy eights. We just um, got to the point where BS decided that I'd be better suited with the eighties. So we put the eighties on, and I just took the seventy eight, seventy fives, and put them on the shelf. And his car originally, what, what was your? In? No, it was an LS three block. So his was a four hundred sixteen cubic inch stock block. Half filled. Yeah, we we halfway filled it uh, originally when we first put an LS in that car, um, and we had Borg Warner S three sixty sixes on it, and those things are just. They didn't do good on that car. Maybe it was too much cubic inch and just too small of an exhaust housing or something. But finally, we grabbed those 78, 75s off the shelf and put them on his car, and it it helped a lot. The Borgs weren't the the Borgs did good enough to split three of the yeah uh, main caps on that LS block though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bill knows about splitting blocks. Yeah. Mine was pretty mild, but it is cracked. <laughs> so. Okay, well, uh, Chris, why don't you give us the, the full details on yours? Okay, um, so it's a it's a dart block. It's four hundred. I guess we're being specific. It's a four hundred thirty-one cubic inch. It's a, a four-inch crank. So it's a dart center counter weighted crank, and it's a. I think the bore is a four-one. 4140, I believe is what it is. I, if I if my math's right, I think it's a 430 or 431 cubic inch. Um, Brodix BR3 heads. It's an LS3 head. Um, it had. They both have cam motion cams in them. They're both solid roller. Mine's a little bit bigger, and it is somewhere around 750 lift. Um, I'll get that cam next motor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, we we run both engines on E85. Um, mine, uh, my fuel system is I use 16 Bosch 210 injectors, so there's two per cylinder. And I done that. I feel like I was getting well. The last um, engine I had the fuel pressure cranked up pretty high, like 75 or 80 psi, so that I could stretch a single set of Bosch 210s as far as possible. And I was getting to like 95% duty cycle. Um, and I didn't want to push the, the fuel pump any further. I felt like the pressure was already too high. So I put another eight on there. So I have 16 now. And I, I was able to lower the fuel pressure down to 40. And with with twice as much injector, it's uh, it's just a lot happier now. I'm not using... And and you're running the same Aeromotive 5, five uh, gallon mine's, pump? Uh, Mine's a seven. It's an air mode of seven gallon per minute. But my car is also a 16 volt system. So I talked to the guys at Aeromotive and I think the car going down track, it makes like 17 and a half or 18 volts. So it's that pump is actually putting out probably closer to nine gallons per minute um, yeah. just because of the increased voltage. An in tank pump or external? Uh, mine's in tank. Yep. I've got a 15 gallon fuel cell in the back of the car and that tank is or that pump is inside the tank. Nice. Um, so dart block, Brodix heads, dart crank. It's got aluminum rods in it. Uh, I believe they're Wisco pistons. It's a full skirted piston. Um, yes, my block is dry decked. So the surface of the block is completely sealed up. 
Uh, we bought some special welding rods and, um, we have learned on that. I don't know if you're planning on welding yours. Or... Yeah, no, mine, learned... uh, mine are mine because my block came, uh, dry decked and was drilled, uh, for heads. They're just round holes so I can, uh, tap them and plug them. Oh, and don't no. have to weld. That's nice. That would be nice. He, he doesn't need to do like that though. Triangle water holes and we we had talked about drilling and tapping them but it would have gotten too close to the bore and it just wasn't wasn't worth it but we also learned with those special welding rods that they were like for cast and i was tig welding it but we were preheating it because you just kind of common sense tells you well you want to preheat the cast or where well we actually talked to the company that made those rods and they're like no you don't you don't want to preheat it and so it welds so much better if you don't preheat it. Yeah, we, we actually noticed as we were doing, I mean, obviously we, we learned a lot with that block. Um, but And I'm sorry, that's an iron block, not aluminum? It is, yeah. It's a, it's a dark LS next block. Okay. Uh, it, it's the skirted LS version. I mean, it's just a, it's a standard dark block. But we did notice if, if we would stop preheating uh, for a little while and let that block cool, he could he could weld it and man it turned out a lot better when we were preheating it i don't know why but it just seemed like there was a lot more pockets uh, yeah. of sand yeah it was really weird like a lot of porosity in the welds and it was just the cast you know cast is just it's finicky to weld anyways but uh we we learned a lot on that but we ended up getting it sealed up and we made little we had a, a guy with a plasma cutter down the road cut the little water jacket shapes out of little eighth inch thick pieces of steel so we could hold those little triangles in place and then just weld around the perimeter of it and then i took the block to the machine shop down the road and and decked it and cut the the receiver grooves for the the top fuel hoops and then we done the same thing to the heads they were a lot easier because they're aluminum so we just welded those up but there's still on my block water is i mean I, i've had water in the block and the heads the whole time um and it's it, it actually surprised me a lot when we got done with this but my engine and the car the cooling system that's in the car works way better now than it did when water stayed in the block yeah, and, it works and, better than mine yeah it, it, it does amazing um and the only mm. thing i can attribute that to is that the water that enters the block and enters the head spends less time in the block or the heads before it goes back to the radiator and gets cooled off. Before, you know, the water would enter in the front of the block and it would go all the way to the back of the block and then it would come up into the cylinder head and then come out the front of the cylinder head. So it now it's going half the distance. So I, that's really the only thing I can attribute it to. But the car, the cooling system works great. I flow water in the front of the block and then out the side of the block. And then same way with the heads. Water goes into the front of the heads and out of the back of the heads. And, and the returns go, obviously, to the radiator. Um, mm. But it it's worked flawlessly. I, I tried to do that temporary dry decking with the last engine with some uh, epoxy. And that... It, it worked, but it, it didn't work great. If the cylinder head did lift, um, it would still pressurize that epoxy, and, and the epoxy just didn't have any way to stay in place. So the welding uh, option worked a whole lot better, and 
it uh, yeah i'm i'm a firm believer in it now i have no issues whatsoever with pressurizing the cooling system but we we also upgraded the head studs a lot yeah i done i done a lot of stuff to that too when i when i had the block just there on the engine stand um a, a common thing that you would do is increase the 7 16th studs the main uh 10 studs to half inch on an ls but i took and we did that but i took the 7 16th studs and put the uh put those on the lower four um head studs where i think they're three eighths from the factory or from dark so the the seven sixteenths ones got replaced with half inch, and then the three eighths ones got replaced with seven sixteenths. Um, so there's, there's so it's a, a six bolt. So it's a six bolt head. It is a six bolt block. Yeah. Got it. Got it. But there's a lot more clamping force there now than just a standard dart block would be. Um, did uh, Did you leave any um, uh, machining tools left after you machined all those welds off <laughs> after decking the block? That was we, not good. That was not good. We we went through some carbide tips. Yeah, it was. Uh, and the high pitch ringing noise while them things were cutting. And and what was weird <laughs> is it wasn't the weld because that mach, that welding rod that we purchased it's it's a muggy welding rod. Muggy is the brand. Um, they're designed to be machined. It's it's too weld cast. But what caused us the issue is those little steel inserts that we welded in there well after you weld them i guess they became hardened and that was really the problem the well the welded oh. part cleaned up fine but it was that metal insert that we had put in there that oh man it was it was bad yeah <laughs> not ideal we learned a lot there i'll probably uh the next engine that i do i'll, I'll probably do it do it the same way but just recess that steel thing um that little piece of metal down in the block maybe a, a quarter of an inch so that the, you know when you machine it it doesn't touch it you just just got to talk to your little welder friend there that did all that welding on that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but we'll probably do it on his block next i, yeah. I don't know um, not too quick because he's catching up to you so you you can't I, uh you, he ain't you like careful. it either I'm not it's like getting it. uncomfortable for him when, so, <laughs> well yeah, we went testing uh, about three or four weeks ago, or three or four weeks before World, World Cup, eighth mile, and I run that 489 in the eighth mile, which was my best. Um, and then we line up beside each other first pass at World Cup, and my car shuts off on the starting line. I had an O2 sensor die, and it just dumped a lot of fuel, and the car just shut off. Well, I sat there as my car's dead, watching him take off and run a 759, and he run like a 494 or something in the eighth, so he, at that point in time, he was only five hundredths of a second slower than me in the eighth mile. <laughs> and that's when I kind of started stressing out a little bit, thinking I need to get back to the staging lanes before he gets an opportunity to and, and get a little faster. <laughs> because he's having flashbacks. Because if we go all the way back to the beginning, I used to wear him out all the time when we first started. When we were all motor. I had my 69 Camaro, he had a red Camaro, and uh, I beat him all the time. And so he's starting to have flashbacks that this is going to start happening again, so he's having a hard time. <laughs> anyway, yeah. the next pass, I went up there and run a 471, so catch that. Yeah. 
<laughs> Let me get input, Shaq. You'll be you'll be behind me. I mean, so. more more horsepower is a pretty good YouTube name, but if it's got to be Clemens horsepower, I guess that's okay. Well, too. That yeah, I think not, that doesn't sound good. I bet that more more horsepower is probably taken though. They might have to change something up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and what is your car weigh now, Chris? Um, with or without the dash? Yeah. So right before World Cup, I as I was loading it in the trailer, I thought, you know, I I refer to my car as a street car. When I'm talking to you guys, I probably shouldn't because you guys have street cars, but we do drive them on the streets and. I would have participated in a drag and drive had a hurricane not come through. I just didn't. Oh, God. That I just sounds like an excuse. Hurricane. What are you doing? It was an excuse. Yeah, I mean, it is. We don't have windshield wipers. Yeah, I don't oh. <laughs> but it's a streetcar. <laughs> Minus the windshield wipers. One thing. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's got turning signals and a horn and all that stuff. Um. Isn't that Camaro? It doesn't have windshield trim, though. That's not a street car. No, his ain't a street car. I mean, I had a really nice fella give me a brand new set of, well, not brand new, but a used set of trim while I was still at Maryland. So I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> but my car, my car weighs 3,200 pounds with me in it. Okay. That's, yeah, that's so pretty good. Like, what yeah, is I mean, Jonathan's weight? Jonathan's uh, like 2,200. 2,800 pounds with him. 28, in it. yeah. Yeah. Wow, I would wow. say I would say his car is probably, um, I, I'm I wouldn't say I don't know if I'd say the heaviest other than mine, but most of the guys in that class are twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven hundred pounds. Yeah. So yeah, we, Nick's truck's got to be pretty light. Well, I would, yeah, I'd say you guys are lucky because for race week, the minimum weight for stick class is three thousand. So you guys are there. Is it? Wow. Yep. So I can still ditch a couple hundred pounds. Oh, jeez! They have a white thing. It is cool. Oh, uh, that wasn't that wasn't where I was going with that. If I, could, if I could ditch some more weight, I would. I don't. I don't know where to get rid of it. And you stock suspension in yours as well. Yep. yep. I mean, it's still got a. It's a torque arm, uh, and it's still got lower control arms. Everything mounts where the factory stuff did. I, it's a custom torque arm that, that I built, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's all factory Camaro rear suspension. Nice. So tell us about you guys yourselves. Tell us about your background, your, what you do for work and stuff to do all this. Um, so I was an insurance agent for 10 years. Um, yeah, I just sat behind a desk and. In our area, I, I tell this to everybody, the thing that kind of kept me there was in our area, there's not many things you can do to make the kind of money that I was making there. So that's why I stayed for so long. Um, and it wasn't manual labor and I could make a good living at it, but I've never been a desk person, but that's, that's the way I found to make a living. So I stuck with it for 10 years until I just had enough of it and um, decided to quit. Uh, but now I'm a general contractor. I decided to do that because we all sold our houses and went all in together and bought this 30 acres that we're sitting on right now. And we all plan to build our houses up here. This 
shop and house, barn dominium, whatever you want to call it, is the first thing that we built up here. And this is Stephen's dad's house or whatever you want to call it. Um, Did you call so, it a barn dominium? Barn dominium, yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome. It's a it's a post frame building. Um so it's it's wood framed, it's got wood trusses, um metal siding, metal roof. But yeah, so I, I'm a general contractor now, but I'm primarily just a general contractor for our family. I don't really like working for other people. <laughs> so <laughs> I just kinda do whatever I want to do. I I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Hey, Steven. I've always yep. been manual labor since day one. <laughs> I uh, started out in a tire shop, but then I uh, I worked in a welding shop for 10 years. And then just about a year ago, well, it's a little over a year, um, I branched out on my own and now I have my own welding business. And uh, it's going great. I've got all kinds of work to do. And it seems like if you want to work right now, you can just about do whatever you want to do because not a lot of people want to work anymore, especially in the welding business. So, uh, yeah, the welding business is going great and I'm super happy with it. I get to, uh, I get more time for race cars now that I own my own business and I'm, uh, I got a little bit more, a little bit more money to put into the race car as well now that I own my own business. So it's, it's awesome. We're super happy and, with it. And you specialize in intercoolers. Is that right? No, nah, I wish that'd be fun. No, I, <laughs> I do the uh, I do all kinds of stuff. Whatever I worked at that welding shop for ten years and I did everything. I'd I'd be uh, laying in a wood chipper, welding the teeth back on it, or I'd be in a in a field welding on a tractor. I'll be making a gate for a driveway, and so I pretty much still just do the same thing, just anything and everything. And it seems like that's the dying breed: people that'll weld on anything and everything. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that Christmas tree you built, that was that was amazing. That was yeah, that was a lot of fun. Oh, and I got to see that. Way over that. our heads on that one, but it's up and it's not fell over yet, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was uh that was pretty wild. I mean, the the hospital that went on top of was in one of the largest cities in North Carolina, and they found two rednecks from the mountains of North Carolina to put a 40 foot tall tree on the roof 45 45 foot tall tree yeah if you haven't seen it bill you gotta see it like just the way that you guys engineered it and yeah. got it up there and yeah that was that was super cool man that was uh yeah. that was that was awesome i'm i'm sure it's uh quite a spectacle when it's all lit up up there and yeah it is they can you can see it from the next city over yeah <laughs> Yeah. Nice, nice. I'm sure they can see it from the incoming flight path too. The pilots are like, "Oh, hey, look at that!" Oh, yeah. You can. You absolutely. There's an airport not too far away, and you can see it when you fly in on an airplane. Yep. That's we awesome. We kind of blew the budget on on the lighting part. They had maybe one strand every like <clears throat> two cables, and we put a strand of lights on every single cable. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's not going to cut it. Right. <laughs> yep. That's perfect. Is it hurricane proof or hurricane hurricane proof? Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. yeah. <laughs> if a hurricane comes through in December, it'll hold it. Like <laughs> oh man. Um, so one of the things that we like to uh ask guys is the uh 
is your staging process and your, uh, you know, you're preparing for it. So we start out in the burnout. We'll start with Stephen first. So second gear burnout. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I roll into the water in first gear and then I go ahead and put it in second gear while I'm rolling through the water. And then, uh, yeah, then I just pump the line lock real hard and rev it up pretty good and dump the clutch and, Try to keep it off the rev limiter because Chris gets on to me if I bang the rev limiter in the water box. So I uh, let off the line lock. And then here lately I've been holding it past where I used to and kind of rolling forward and then backing back up. Used to, I would try to get my burnout in before I got to the lights because I didn't like being extra. So uh, now I'm starting to be extra because I feel like I'm fast enough to. So I'm doing the whole John Force burnout and then backing back up, especially when I raced Chris at Wiz Qualifying or whatever. And I was like, and I went to Mickey Thompson trailer. That's what's cool at Maryland. They have a Mickey Thompson trailer there. So you just take your wheels down there, get you a brand new set of tires, and then you're ready for the weekend. Wherever you pay them. Oh, yeah. You have to pay them. Oh, yeah. You have a Mickey Thompson shirt on, you got to pay them. So you uh, go up and they're like, oh, God, Plemons is here. Get those free tires out for him. Yeah. they're like we're gonna get all of our money out of him so yeah so when i was racing chris i was like you know what i'm gonna do a big burnout and then i'll intimidate him and then sure enough he sat there and i drove drove out of his life so <laughs> so so this actually uh i'm just gonna interrupt you real quick rich but um this is one of the questions too a lot of people don't realize how many races are won in the pits so this is kind of like, you know, beating them up in the pits. What's the biggest opt- obstacle you've overcome in between rounds? Maybe it's between each other. I don't know. Um, like ever at any race? Sure. I I would say the the biggest obstacle that we've ever overcome as a racing team was me wrecking my car at TX2K two years ago. Um. When I crossed the finish line, it was Friday night. I think it was round two or three of qualifying. I run a 748 at 191, and I threw the parachute, and the rear end of the car got picked up off of the ground, and the car came down sideways, and it swapped sides a few times, and then I kind of just pancaked up against the wall on the driver's side. So that was Friday night, and the race was Sunday. So we spent all day Saturday um tearing the car apart it broke the driver's side spindle it bent the the driver's side front wheel the fender was tore off of it we had to take the whole front bumper and hood and everything off the exhaust exhaust was crunched on the driver's side there was there was a lot of stuff we had to fix and we got back to the track we drove all around houston um thankfully there were some nice shops that let us use their equipment and gave us some material and let us borrow wheels and stuff like that because um, I was I was the number one qualifier for that race after running that 748. So I had to show up for the race on Sunday. I mean, the number one qualifier has to be there. Yeah. Um, so we got back to the track at 2 or 3 a.m. Sunday morning after we had gotten all these wheels and tires. And we took a spindle off of somebody's race car in Houston. They let us take it off. We didn't. Yeah. <laughs> We went to Walmart and there's a Camaro just like Chris's, so we stole it. Um, so we got back to the track, got it all back together, and um, got the car driving. 
and made it for the first round of the race, which was awesome. And had no idea what the car was going to do. And I had no idea what I was going to do. After wrecking at 180, 190 mile an hour, I wasn't sure that I, I was ready to go that fast again. So, and I was paired up with Joel Granis, which is one of the fastest six shift cars that there is. But for some reason, he was qualified 16th. So we were paired up first round. Um, so I knew I had to give it everything it had, but I didn't know what the car would do. I mean, we took over 100 pounds off the front end by taking the fenders and the bumper and the hood and everything off that was broke. So anyways, it done a big wheelie. He spun, and I was able to make it to the end of the track first and win. And then the second round of the race went kind of good. I mean, I didn't really have any issues until we got back to the pits after the second round, and I realized that I broke a rocker arm. Well, at that point in time, it was still a hydraulic. LS and I just run standard LS rocker arms so it shouldn't have been too hard to find and we run around the pits trying to find anybody that would let us borrow just a stock LS rocker arm so that I can make it up for the next round of the race well at that point in time my father-in-law Jeff had a I think it was like a 2010 or something Camaro with an LS3 in it and Hannah my wife was she was running around trying to find people to let me have a rocker arm or something. And as we were riding around, she just said, well, what about that car? And what about that car? I was like, no, that car doesn't have the same rocker arms as me. No, that doesn't either. And she said, well, what about dad's car? And I was like, no, it doesn't. Oh, wait, it wait. does have the same rocker arms. <laughs> so we run over there and Jonathan Atkins was actually pitted right next to us. And he helped me yank the valve cover off. And I, were, I was taking the rocker arm off of my car. He was taking the rocker arm off of my father-in-law's car and we got it on there. And then I had to go up there. I made it for the third round of the race, which was against uh, Garrett. And thankfully he red lit against me. So that put me on to the finals. That's because he was uh, scared. He was scared. He was probably scared of his own car. He wasn't scared of me. But I would say that is probably the biggest obstacle that we've ever had to overcome as a, as a racing team. That was that was wild. Wrecking your car and breaking engine parts all in the same weekend. But things that we've learned from that is that we are kind of now famous for always having a welder with us. That's true. So <laughs> people come to our trailer all the time needing something welded. And sometimes they'll weld it. Sometimes they just need to borrow our welder. Or sometimes I have to weld it. We've had to weld on Jonathan's car. We've had to weld. Well, I think our first Nick. welding job might have been on Nick. Nick Shifter. Nick, Nick Coleman. Nick Shifter, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, we've learned that we just really need to take the welder because you never know what's going to break. And now we just, we fix stuff all the time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And how was the final? What was the final? Can we that? just stop the conversation there? <laughs> well, he's not holding a trophy. I can tell you that. <laughs> I couldn't remember because I remember you racing Garrett, but I yeah, couldn't remember so... what the final the so like i said the first round of the race at done a wheelie came down pretty hard the second round of the race was against john miller he had that uh black mustang with green stripes um and that was probably the coolest pass that i've ever seen in stick shift racing i mean if you look at the different gopro angles and 1320 has all the um the videos of it i think they titled the video i beat cletus or something along those lines but if you look at the different GoPro angles, I mean, me and him swapped the lead probably 
three or four times during that pass. But it took off in first gear, and the front end stayed down in first gear. But when I shifted to second, it stood up pretty high. I mean, I think I probably got close to 300 foot down track, uh, and the front wheels were in the air. And it came down hard, and I won that race. But what we didn't realize is the spindle that I broke in the wreck, we had put it in a press Saturday and welded it back because it, it, it was just going to work out better to keep my spindle on the car. Well, I didn't, we didn't realize it, but it broke again. So I didn't have to make a full pass against Garrett, so I didn't know that it was broke in the third round. And when we pulled back up for the finals, the car took off, and I was way ahead of the other guy. Yeah, but what were you racing? <laughs> doesn't matter. Tell them what you're racing. <laughs> Tell them what the what is it when you do like those video games and you got the boss at the end <laughs> that you have to defeat the boss at the end. It, it, what was it? It was a super. Yeah, a super. <laughs> he got <laughs> But the car took off and I shifted to second and it was still going straight. First and second gear doesn't have much weight on the front end anyway, so steering doesn't really matter. When I shifted to third, some weight got down on the front end and the car just turned right immediately. So I yanked out of the throttle and got back in it because I was still ahead of the guy. And as soon as I got back in it, it just, it turned right again. I couldn't, I couldn't keep the car straight. And I didn't feel like wrecking twice in one weekend. So. And that little boxer four cylinders coming. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. So, so we, we kind of got sidetracked there. So Chris, what is your, um, staging burnout? technique like what do you do uh yeah it's pretty similar uh pull through the water box first gear put it in second uh right before i stop uh, i've got a brake pressure sensor on my on my dash so i use that just to help with consistency i'll put about three 350 pounds of brake pressure um on during the line lock and you know that keeps my car still and then when i'm ready to move i just let off the line lock and then for a staging um i turn on the the top yellow bulb and i'll set that brake pressure sensor around 150 psi uh, or 150 pounds set the line lock and then uh go ahead and get on the two-step and and bump in with the clutch um i say bump in but it's just more of a creep i mean i, I try not to i don't pulse the clutch or anything i just ease it out until the car starts kind of just hunching up and, and rolling forward. And then as soon as it stages, I just push the clutch back to the floor, the gas pedals on the floor and just dump the clutch and go. And the clutch and your um, two-step is on the clutch switch, both of you guys? It is, yep. Yeah. And yep. Um, how much uh, timing are you pulling on the line? You guys, you guys make some nice fireworks, so. Yeah, so my car, um, I use a really simple table in the Holly. I just use the boost builder table. And as soon as I get on that, it pulls the total timing down to zero degrees. So it's pulling, uh, I don't know, roughly 25, 28 degrees of timing out. Um, Steven's car is about the same way, but we just do it a different way. We use an advanced table um, that kind of mimics his main timing table, but just the opposite of it. So if there's, you know, 28 or 30 degrees, in that cell, 
will pull 28 or 30 degrees. So we're, we're aiming for a total of zero degrees or negative two degrees, somewhere in that ballpark. And how much boost are you leaving on? There's my question. <laughs> my car, I, I cannot get it to leave the starting line on anything more than eight pounds. Because um, it I just knocks the tire off? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything. It, it makes a lot of power on six, seven pounds of boost. I mean, it's a 430 cubic inch with twin 85s. Hurt so. my ears to take me so hard. <laughs> so, I just, I can't leave on a lot of boost. Uh, I think the car is probably making a lot of power at that level. Um, Steven's car, we've left the starting line at 5,000, 5,200 RPM and probably 18 pounds of boost before. What? And, and them leaf springs, they just work. I don't know what's going on. Yes. yes. <laughs> Stay with it. Don't give up on them. No, I just, in fact, I just, just shipped my shocks back to Menser to get them tightened up. So I was almost 40 clicks of rebound on the rears and it felt like I needed a little more. So I should get them back and that 40 clicks will be 20 clicks. There you go. So good. I'm going to rip the floor out of that trunk, stiffening those things up. <laughs> <So we're Yeah>. <laughs> That is amazing. 18 pounds of boost. <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't do that all the time. Normally his car, we've got it leaving on about 12 or 13 pounds. That's what it, that's what it was doing at world cup. It went 121 to the 60, uh, leaving it about 4,700 RPM and 13 pounds of boost. And how quickly are you ramping that boost up? Like, where is it? Like how much boost are you seeing in first gear? Oh yeah. Steven's boost, <laughs> Steven's boost ramp is a clip <laughs> I, I think i think it's got 30 pounds we'd have to go back and look at the data log but it it's making boost as fast as it possibly can in first gear i think we've seen 28 or 29 pounds in first gear and we only run 32 or 34 total out the back his, man his i think i'm getting spicy when i see like 16 17 in first gear and <laughs> i'm not even where he starts <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I only I only make seventeen pounds going down the track, but I'm five hundred and twenty-one cubes. Yeah, it's a little uh, bit more cubic inch. Well, just remember, like, if you do get up this high, you need to get your overflow to point into the turbo. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'll have to keep that in mind. Yeah, I uh, the the boost ramp on mine is you probably won't see one any lazier. Um, I, I was looking at the data log, the first round of the race at world cup, obviously I lost, I spun. And as the car was spinning, I was sitting there like doing that on the gas pedal. Like, man, if this thing would just stop spinning and hook for a second, I could probably chase this guy down. So it finally did after I spun for three seconds or something and it went 207 mile an hour. And I got to looking at that, um, data log and I mean, boost was zero when it finally stopped spinning. So when I started accelerating, there was no boost at all in it. And I think it had 16 or 17 in it at the end of first gear. And at the end of second gear, it had about 28 or 29. At the end of third gear, it had about 31 or 32. And then in fourth gear, it had 35 in it. So 
my boost ramp is just as lazy and slow as it could possibly be. If I could, if I could ever get to the point where I could put 35 pounds of boost in it, like from second gear on, I have no idea what the car would run. I mean, it, it would probably run over 210 mile an hour. Hmm. I think some power. Yeah, it's it's silly. Leaf Springs, just think, yeah. Stephen, you're gonna get that motor next. Well, I know. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh man. Um. Oh yeah, we were gonna ask about the uh, split window Corvette. What's going on there? Yeah. So we got it back from paint in January or February of this year. And we rolled it into the shop and oohed and awed over it for a few weeks because it's the most beautiful paint job we've ever seen. And we put it on the lift and that's where it's set all year long. We've both been very, very preoccupied. I mean, I, I've been building this building since March of this year. Steven helped me a lot. And then him with starting his own business, um, we've been very preoccupied. And the the primary goal this year was to to have somewhere to live for Jeff. Um, so the car got kind of put on the back burner a little bit. But I, I tell everyone that Dad can't have a building built and a car built in the same year. He's got to calm down. He can have one one year and one the next. So he'll he'll get his car <laughs> built now that his building's done. Yeah, I think we'll probably dive in on it a little bit this winter and, and try to have it running next year. So will that be a street car, race car, more street? Just race. Okay. Stick shift? Yeah. 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 It'll have a G. Excellent. We've got a G101A for it. And we've got the bell housing and clutch. Um, I think the only thing we don't have is a drive shaft. We need to We need to do some cage work to it and get a seat put in it. Um, I don't really think it's going to take that much work. We could probably have it done tonight. <laughs> We'd well, on. sorry we took your time. Jeez. Nice guys, you'd be having that What's the? Is that going to have an LS in it too? Or an L? You going to put an LT in that? That's no. Don't make him close the screen. No. <laughs> It's definitely not going to have an LT in it. <laughs> oh, wait, his audio got a whole lot better. <laughs> you came through loud um, and clear there. Yeah. It, we are, we're still trying to figure out the engine. There's an engine setting in that car right now. It's a small block Chevy 427. Um, makes good power. Makes good power. Ideally, we would rather have an LS motor in it with a Terminator. So we can all just data log and all put it in the computer and he can tune all of them the same way. And we kind of, they all kind of be similar. So we'd kind of like to have LS for it, but if it don't work out, we can run a small block shed that's in it. Get yeah. But if you guys know anybody that's looking for a 670 horsepower 427, send them our way. We've got one that we will sell right now. And it's fresh. It just come from... Nice, nice racing in racing. Indiana. Well, yeah. out of the fourteen people that listen to this, maybe one of them will be interested. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys have like three, three more people watch this than watch our YouTube channel. Yeah. 
<laughs> I watch a YouTube channel all the time. Oh, so. well, good. Okay. Um, well, that's you and me make two. Who are the other two? You guys watch your own, right? Yeah, we watch it. I like it too. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> do, you guys have, do you guys have shock sensors on your cars? Yeah, on the rear. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What we just what kind of shock cheap. sensor do you run? Uh, a low dollar sensor. Low dollar sensor. Okay. Yeah, and just, just the rear though? One Sorry. on one side of the rear end on both of our cars. Okay. Right. Passenger side, I'm guessing. I think they're on opposite sides. <laughs> I think mine's on the passenger side and Stevens is on the driver's side. <laughs> Yeah. They, they need no, to move real it over reason. It. no real reason. Probably just wherever the wire got poked out of the floor at. Yep, yep. That makes sense. <laughs> I use Cadillac ride height sensors for my shock sensors oh, wow. on mine. But I'm I'm running a mega squirt MS three pro, so Okay. I'm low dollar. But Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> well, people have gone really fast with that, and that's been that's been around a lot longer than the Holly ECUs have. Yeah, yeah. It it does everything for me. It's got boost control. It's got traction control. I don't use it, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, and it uh, it survived 106 degree uh, Arizona all the way to minus 20 degrees coming back from Florida in the winter. So I can't complain. It works great for me. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Well, should we get to the uh, TKO round? Because these guys are—we kept them a long time. It's—it's it's, uh, probably darn near Stephen's bedtime by now. Oh, I think it sure. probably is. Yeah, we're getting up to it. So, you want to take first gear, Rich? Sure, I'll take first gear. Let's see. I gotta get. I gotta find it. It's way down here. All right. <laughs> uh, We'll start with Steven because he's going to be the quickest before long here. We just look old muscle cars. Sorry, Chris. Um, what What is the first car you owned or modified? This one, the 69 Camaro. Yeah, oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Me and dad got it and it, we started working on it. It was just a hull of a car. Uh, like I say, my mama gave me money that she, it was $2,500 and I bought a junior. And then I raced it for a while, but then we sold the junior and we put that towards the '69 Camaro. We got the '69 Camaro for five thousand dollars, and it was Jeez. it was not nice. And and <laughs> we pulled that thing up in my mamaw's driveway, and she said, "That's a piece of junk. You need to take that to the junkyard." And I was like, "Mamaw, that's my car, my new car." <laughs> she ended up liking it after we got it all fixed up. <laughs> Chris, you're next. Uh, the first car that I owned and modified, um, I'm going to say that that was a 2002 Silverado. Oh, I thought it was a good one. Well, I didn't own that car. Oh, okay. I, I could probably send you guys a picture of the first car that I had to work on, but I didn't own it. I mean, I drove it, but it was a 1995 Mercury Cougar, and I don't know Red if y'all know what that is. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's the ugliest thing ever. And it was like the mint green one. Oh, it was horrible. And I, I think that was a special engine. option. <laughs> yeah, it was. We paid extra for that. Um, <laughs> I did blow the engine up in it, and we did go to like a pull-apart and get another, I think they, it was like a 3.6 liter or something, V6, and, and put it in there. 
But I didn't own that car, so I'm not using that as my answer. The first car that I owned was a 2002 Silverado. And it's kind of crazy because Steven actually still owns that truck. I bought it. Pay me down. I'm telling you. <laughs> He's got all my me downs. Nice. All right, so we have a nice big window on the transmission, so we're going to slam it into second gear, and it's going to go like butter. Okay. What, and this will be Stephen first, what, in your opinion, has been the biggest technology change to move our sport forward? And hand-me-downs is not an answer. I don't know. I'd say, for me, I like driving into the – the rev limiter and shifting gears that way. That was a huge step for me. And I drove the whole synchronized transmission for a long time. And Chris was really good at it. I was decent, but driving it into the rev limiter and just grabbing another gear is just awesome. I love it. It's, it is a lot of fun. So I'd say that's it for me. I like that. Chris. I would say, I, I, I hate, this is probably the answer that everybody gives to this question, but um, the adjustable clutch. I know adjustable clutches have been around for years and years and years, but they've come a long way in the last 10 years. And um, yeah, I, I don't think anybody would be going as fast as, as what they are without some form of, of an adjustable clutch. Um, it just makes the drivetrain live longer. Um, we don't have drivetrain capabilities yet to withhold 3,000, 3,500 horsepower. And the adjustable clutch is really, really making things easier. So I think, I think that's probably uh, the biggest thing. Nice. Okay, here's a tough question. Uh, this we, we sent you this question early so you could think about it. But um, if you could spend one day with someone, who would it be and what would you do? That is a tough question. And I don't really know. I guess I would – I don't know. I'll give you more time to think about it. I'll, I'll answer it. Um, <laughs> I I really like learning – from people that know a lot about a given subject. Like I like finding people that know a whole lot about one subject and trying to learn everything I can from them. So there's a there's an old guy down the road and I, and I guess it's kind of a cheesy answer because I, I do get to spend time with this guy when I want to um, and, and we do things like this, but he's got a machine shop right down the road. It's a little two car garage and um, he's just kind of taking me under his wing and he will just turn me loose in his shop and he'll tell me how to do something or, you know, what something needs to measure or anything along those lines. And, um, I mean, he's, he's pretty much who taught me everything machining wise that I know and everything that I was able to do on our engine blocks, he taught me. So, uh, I would say him. And, um, I mean, that's, He's who I would like to spend the day with and just getting information from him. He's, I don't know, he's probably 70 years old and he's been machining things for 55 years or longer. So he knows a lot of stuff and things that I, it'd take me a long time to learn. So uh, that's well, my Obviously, he, 
he obviously taught you well because the power you guys are making with those two motors that you built by yourself is is darn impressive. Yes. I think so too. He's a genius. Most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Steven, do you have an answer yet? I'd say it's uncorrelated, but mom. We lost mom about two years ago, so I'd say just getting to spend another day with her would be cool. Yeah, that's I like that answer too. Definitely. All right, so we're gonna slide it into fourth gear where it's gonna make about thirty eight pounds of boost. <clears throat> what influence this is a GPO, so probably flew up in third, but oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got a box full of neutrals at this point. <laughs> <laughs> What what influences you to build your cars? I would say dad. That's an easy one. It seems like we've wanted to quit several times. And because it racing can get frustrating. We like to talk about all the good times that racing can be, but Oof. racing can be extremely frustrating. No and when you joke. sit there and spend an entire week working on this car and then you go out in the first round of a race because of something stupid it really makes you want to just bring it back, set it on fire. And dad always <laughs> is the one saying, no, we're not doing that. You guys are really good at this. You're going to stick with it and we'll, we'll get a better part. If it's the fuel pump that let out on you, we'll get a better fuel pump. If it's uh input shaft, we'll get a, we'll get a better input shaft. So dad's always the one influencing us to, to, to get better parts, to go faster and everything. So, you know, and I have to confess that Rich is my go-to. I call him when I'm super frustrated sometimes. Yeah. And I don't think Rich ever gets frustrated because he always talks <laughs> me down from just pushing it right out of the garage while it's on fire and then calling yep. the insurance company. Yep. And, yep. Uh, yeah. And I, I send this line of work all the time when people are getting worked up. So I work in a petrochemical plant where we make plastic and uh, – the plant that I was responsible for, we made 7 million pounds every 24 hours. Um, so a lot. Yeah, 7 million every 24 hours. So we'll make like 2.4 billion pounds a year. Um, <clears throat> but there's a lot that goes into that, right? And and uh, people get pretty excited. And and uh, actually, one another guy I used to work with, he used to say this all the time. He's like, listen, he's like, we're not saving babies. <laughs> we're just making plastic. Let's yeah. calm down. <laughs> Like, <laughs> same as racing like yeah this is our hobby that we get the privilege and we're blessed to be able to do right. and so every once in a while you got to remind yourself that there's people with a lot worse hardships than us then they haven't uh, i spun on the hit and i'm out so yeah yeah but anyways chris do you have a did, what about you um I would say I'm just extremely competitive, and that's that's probably is my main influence in in building cars. Um, I found something that that I think that I can compete at, and um, yeah, I just just keep pushing to to try to go faster. Um, I, I would say my competitiveness is just the main thing that influences me. To his to second thing is his wife. That too. Yeah. Hannah will not let him quit or go slow. He has to keep going faster and faster. So that. Yeah. It, um, I feel like there for a while, like, um, like I mentioned TX2K and that was two years ago. 
when I run that 748 pass, I think there may have been three or four other cars, other stick shift cars that had been faster than that, period. Um, so I was really relevant at that time. Like I was, I was in the top five fastest stick shift cars, period. Um, so Hannah was always telling me like if, if an engine broke or something like that, she said, well, you know, build something that's going to be faster than everybody else. Like build an engine that is, is going to make more power than everybody else. Don't build something like that's what a you good just woman had. right there. Hey, Chris, does she have a, does she have a couple of sisters? No. Right, just one brother. <laughs> yeah, that's a unicorn right there for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I and I've tried to sell the car a hundred times, and it's like she always gets on the post and spams it and tells people it's not for sale. Yeah. And, <laughs> or she bought it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish she would. She's that buyer that never shows up, those dang marketplace yeah. people. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring cash. I'm headed there now. Take the post yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Uh, I think six gear is me. So now we're, we're going to jump over to a T56. So we have six gear. What? Yeah, we we missed fifth, but uh, they pretty much answered it. When oh, we... no, no. I want to hear because Chris has to answer. I want to hear his answer for this one now. Sorry. So fifth gear. What, in your opinion, is the secret to stick shift racing? Oh, you got to think now, Chris, because you gave it up on the other one. Steven, why don't you let him think about it for a minute? You go first. The secret to stick shift racing? Leaf springs. <laughs> Nobody else is doing it, and it works. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I want to be as cool as you, Mr. Plemons. You get it. <laughs> I, I, I would say I don't. I don't know that it's a secret. Um, I think you just need to learn as much as you can from everybody. Like yeah. everybody is going to figure out something at a different point in time than than other people. Um, and I think that's what makes sick shift racing pretty neat is because most people will share the information that they have. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the secret to it, if you would say, is just um, learn as much as you can from, from other racers. Uh, and the stick class is super cool. Like when we go to these events, we're all parking together and we're all talking to each other like, how much weight did you put on the clutch? What did it do? How, is it slipping too much? You need some more bait? I mean, everyone's just going through the pits talking to each other trying to brainstorm to make their car go faster and then you end up lining up against them and racing them so it's like we all help each other even though we're we're all racing each other so that's what's cool about stick, the stick, class. stick shift class is the coolest it's not yes. just pretty cool it is the coolest it is yes <laughs> yeah well that, that let's uh yeah let's bang her into six gear here and uh what advice would you give to somebody getting into the Sport. Oh. Um, get another job. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> no, I, I kind of thought about that a little bit. And I think, um, you know, comparison is, is a really tough thing to deal with. 
because you see people on YouTube or on TV or whatever, and they're they're running really fast passes, and it looks like it's just you know not not us, not us. We struggle a lot. Yeah. Um, but you see them running really fast passes, and it looks effortless, and you think that that should just be achievable, and it's just not. Um, and I'm I'm just speaking from my own experience because comparison is really bad because there's guys out there running 660, 670s, 680s, and my car just ran a 713, which is miles faster than I ever thought it would run. And I can't be like over the moon excited about it because I'm comparing what I have to other people. So I would say if you're going to get into the stick shift racing deal, just run your own race and don't compare what you have to what other people have because a 713 out of a 3,200 pound F body that has power windows and a 15 gallon fuel cell and runs on the 85, that is stupid impressive. Um, a a 3,500 pound leaf spring car running four nineties and eighth mile is as stupid impressive. Like neither one of us thought that these cars would do what they're doing now, but I'm just speaking from, from my own perspective. When you compare it to other people, it, it kind of takes the, um, I don't know. Awesomeness off of the it. awesomeness off of it. Good yeah. word. Good word. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say running in the eight seventies and a 4,100 pound 65 GTO is awesome. Like that's so impressive. Yeah. Yeah. He's just saying that so I don't dry deck and throw 35 pounds at it. <laughs> no, I mean, but really, if you, if you put that into perspective, like, you know how many stick shift people, or you know how many, there are, how many stick shift cars there are that people race? Like, there's thousands. There's tens of thousands of them. And yeah. how many of them have run an eight-second pass or faster? Probably less than 100, yep. you know? So that is awesome. And I mean, you're doing it with a two ton tank. So, I mean, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> it's I think smart, but it's cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think, I think everybody has something that they could hang their hat on. Um, what, what makes their car so cool or, or impressive or anything like that. Yes. I think that's well put for sure. What about you? Yes, even. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd just expand on what he said. Don't grow too fast. I mean, we had such a good time when our cars were reasonable speeds, and we were we had a good time. Like we, there was a local track we could go to. It was about thirty minutes from here, and we would have a blast there. But now we're so fast we can't even go to that track anymore because it, it wouldn't be safe. Like it's really bumpy, and it's Dad says I'm not allowed to run there because it's so bumpy. But we had a blast there, and it's like. When you first start out stick racing or if you ever get into it, that beginning stage is really fun. And you're not breaking as much stuff and you're just having a good time. And you can almost just just dog it like crazy on the weekend and then drive it through the week. Like that's the kind of stick car that you have. And that's a fun stage to be in. So just enjoy every every stage of the stick life as you go through it. You'll Unfortunately, you won't be able to stay there long because you'll keep adding new parts and then you'll keep going faster. And then, <laughs> But this stage we're in is really fun too. I'm not saying we've 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 went from that and now we're not having fun. We're still having a lot of fun, but I'm just saying the beginning stages was a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
nice. and you know i i uh like i said I, i've been looking forward to this podcast for a while because of uh your humor and um and how well you guys have done but really you're part of what the elite 15 fastest stick cars out there in the world like, yeah like you're top 10 chris i don't know like steven I, you I must be I, I think i just missed out on the top 10 i think i'm probably 11 uh i think the number 10 position is a 708 and i run a 713 mm. and that's that's what's yeah. crazy too is i mean i say 713 and that's like a that was a huge jump for me i run a 748 two years ago and then i, I bust off a 713 and after I look at the data log, and I mean, the clutch was slipping all the fourth gear, and it, it hit the rev yeah. limiter twice in second gear. It was a horrible pass. And I, I just didn't believe that it was a 713. And then to back it up by running 207 mile an hour, like, it's kind of aggravating that the car run a 713 because I know it'll run a 690. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. If, if I put a solid pass together, it's a six-second car. And that would put me, I don't know, top – five or six yeah and, yeah, and that's, that's what keeps us coming back too is we yeah. just never seem to make the perfect pass right and, so and you know it's got it in it and it's yeah, like all the stars we... have to line up perfectly and then you'll get that perfect pass yeah 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 yep for except sure for, except for the leaf spring uh expert over here ran two 750s in a row so i mean <laughs> bracket racer yeah bracket racer Leaf spring bracket racer. <laughs> it's just it's just his tuning and his motor. I I'm just a driver. Well, it takes yeah, it takes a lot to drive that car that fast. So for sure, yeah, for it, sure. That's but, another thing too. We're at the stage now where the cars want to keep going faster, and we would like to slow down. <laughs> like like we want to let off. Yeah, we're we're good with at the eighth mile when they're running 150 <laughs> mile an hour or whatever. Chipping the four. <laughs> And oh yeah, it's like oh, I'm good. Let's throw the parachute. <laughs> I watched Stephen talking about that on your YouTube video. There, he's like, I was good in third gear, but I went into fourth. I was like, I don't want to go anymore. <laughs> no, I was ready to get out. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so quick question: So you're running a 340 ring opinion. What do you have, Stephen? 350. 350. Yeah. 350. Cause, cause I was commenting to, to Rich earlier. I'm like, they're not even in fourth gear by the eighth mile. And him and I both are in fourth gear by the eighth mile. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I think it's a factor of your gear ratio and you guys spin like 8,500 RPM. Yeah. These, um, the way the gear ratios work in these cars, it's, it's almost ideal for third and fourth gear. Like we, I'm running into the rev limiter at an eighth mile track in third gear and i'm really close to running into the rev limiter in fourth gear at a quarter mile track so it's yeah we just shift one more time Perfect. and the fourth gear carries from you. where we're from you say you're getting all the goody out of that <laughs> <laughs> all right i like it <laughs> yeah i mean my uh my stroke in my engine is 4.375. So I don't like to go much. It's yeah, it spins to about 7,200 and I try not to tell my engine builder that very often. So there's a lot of That's mass getting thrown story. around. Yeah. Yeah. He and doesn't listen to this podcast, does he? And he's, 
well, sometimes. <laughs> and it's before, too. It's like, it's like 450 bore, so it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things flinging around in there. So I'm always yeah. spinning to 8,500, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. All right. All right. Well, do you guys have any questions for us? Whoa. All right. I guess we'll wrap it up. <laughs> we, could talk, we could talk all night about those really long drives, though. That's just insane. Yeah. I'm going to come to world. Yeah, I just Go don't ahead. understand how you can drive from, from Canada to Florida and then back home after you do an entire race week. That that just does not make sense to me. Well, part, yeah, last part year of it was, is, is sorry. Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, I mean, last year was the probably the craziest one, just because the weather was not good on the way down or the way back. Like the vehicle probably had five hundred pounds of snow when I pulled into the car wash um, to try to get ice and snow off the car. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't work too hard when I'm at the races. My uh, 81-year-old dad changes all the tires and, you know, oh. takes the seat out. <laughs> but, wow. So he, we, we keep him busy because uh, he's German, and uh, if he's not busy, he's a real pain in the butt. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. He loves it though. Like he, I kid you not, he like trolls me on Facebook and he's like, Hey, what's this death week thing? I see you looks like you're going to, and is the passenger seat free or, and, you know, I'm retired. I'm not doing anything. And but awesome. he, he loves it. And, um, and his mom honestly, is like, his mom is like, you go, Mike, you go right ahead. Go spend some time with your son. <laughs> vacation too. When I take him away. So it's win-win. Um, but you know, the car is still got, you know, it's got the factory heater core and heater in it. Um, I've got comfortable seats in there. They're Procore 1300s. I got taxi beads on the seats, and I don't know, that just seems to help too. But uh, <laughs> the car is actually really comfortable, and six gear in mine is 0.5, and I have a 350 rear gear. So 80 miles an hour is 1700 RPM. <clears throat> And so it'll get 16 U.S. miles per gallon doing 80, 85 miles an hour towing a trailer. That's and uh, it, in the trailer, there's spare transmission, spare nine-inch, axles, clutch. Like, the trailer's pretty trailer's pretty heavy, plus four tires in the back seat of the car. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is what it is. It, I, definitely, I definitely need to lose some weight. I'm... I got the engine out right now and I'm looking at the power <clears throat> power steering and the hydro boost brakes going, it's probably like 40 pounds there, but man, I like my brakes and my steering. And yeah, yeah so I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, but it is what it is. It, I, my, my goal is to be able to run eight fifties consistently and much like you guys, I'm just going to keep tweaking it. I'm going to dry deck it and throw, uh, <laughs> Um, like it, it really only has 17 pounds of boost and at 17 pounds, it's making like 1485 to the tire, but it's making the same amount of torque. So it's a oh, freaking yeah. beast to get off the line. Yeah. Like yeah. that's so much torque, but maybe I just need to throw 12 pounds of boost at it and leaf springs and I'll be good to go. Yeah. Well, Rich, you had it at 20 pounds once, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. How'd that feel? Yeah, we, um, I, uh, I left it in test mode. Here's a little trick for you guys. Uh, um, my the guy who helps me tune tune mine, Matt Blasco, 
he says, never put your, like, I just have an air compressor in the back with a regulator. And he's like, never put the regulator any higher than the boost that you want to run or the max boost you want the engine to see. So we left it in test mode and put like 500 KPA because mega squirts and KPA, which is probably, well, it's, it's enough to blow my motor to smithereens probably. And, uh, but it only went as high as the regulator. So it made like 23 pounds of boost. And uh, I will say that felt really good. (laughs) So, so, uh, yeah, we're going to probably dry deck it. And then, uh, yeah, big chief, uh, Justin Shearer, he was like, you need to dry deck that bleep, 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 bleep. And, uh, throw some, throw some boost to that thing. So. Hey Rich, I, that's what I just did the calculation and 500 kPa is 72 pounds of boost. <laughs> yeah, so don't leave it. Don't leave it in test mode. Uh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and see, that's what's that's what's different about you guys than us, really. Is you know we can if I mean obviously we don't want to, but if we hurt some sort of drivetrain component or an engine or something, we just put it in the trailer and take it home. I mean, if, if that happens to you on some sort of race week, that would be an expensive tow bill to get that thing back to Canada, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get it why you guys don't push it any harder than, than what you do. I mean, it's, it's more about living through it than setting the world on fire. Yeah. I yeah. do carry spare valves, <laughs> spare piston, full wow. set of rock. <laughs> A camshaft, full set of lifters, full rockers, head gaskets. Head gaskets, yeah. So that head gaskets before. The way the way I look at it, it's like if Rich and I go camping and a bear attacks us, I just have to run faster than Rich. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Well, okay. Guys, I think I think we'll wrap this up. I want to say a huge thanks to Stick Shift Nation for hosting this podcast. <clears throat> you can find the Clutch Burners podcast on YouTube, obviously, but ten different uh, pa- platforms for audio only. So, Mister Plemons, you can find it there. Um, okay. And if you'd like to see the podcast continue and grow, head over to StickRacing.com, grab a Stick Shift Nation sticker, hat, or T-shirt. And stick shift, I'm sorry, clutch burner shirts are live too. If you want to grab uh, one of those shirts, head over to stickracing.com. Um, and please feel free to support Canadian Chuck Norris's YouTube page, which is what? Oh, geez, I don't even know what it's called. I hardly ever post anything. <laughs> well, it should be fun to me. Find me on Facebook, anyways, and yeah, probably find my YouTube page through there, but. Yep, and and I have a YouTube page, uh, Bankshift Billy, trying to put more videos up on there. And then you guys plug your stuff, and you got some merch too, right? We do, yeah. So you you can find. Did you wear it? <laughs> oh, he can't even get his PJs off to show you. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah. Oh, there we go. Woo-hoo! Yeah. So um, more HP. Um, you can find us. Yeah, there, there's the back of it. <laughs> wow, nice. that's cool. Yeah, more HP. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're on, we're on all that stuff. And yeah, if you want to, you want a more HP T-shirt, uh, send me a, send me a message. All right, awesome. So, um, so can we if get? You like, 
if you like comedy and cars, definitely go have a look at their channel. Cause yeah. yeah. So, so can we get some free merch or do we have to pay for that too? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually costs double for you guys. <laughs> you know, nothing's free. We've obviously showed you that, that nothing's free. And if we're having to pay for it, you got to pay for it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We're going to call this one done. Over and out, Canadian Chuck Norris.